your people be praised this morning. Amen. Can we turn the screen? No one like our God, if you would, please, Brother Anthony. God bless you this morning. Welcome into the house of the Lord. I trust you just feel his presence this morning. Doesn't matter whether we feel it, though, he promised he would be here. So let's just open our hearts and just worship him this morning. As we were praying in the back room, said, this is the day the Lord has made. So we come with rejoicing, with thanksgiving, because of who he is. Amen. Because of what he's already done. Amen. Praise our God. Let's sing this together. He stretches the heavens. He stretches the heavens like curtains before him. He forms every star and he calls them by name. He does not grow weary. His strength knows no end. The greatness of our God, none can comprehend. There is no one. 
lift our hands, we can lift our voices and worship the King of Kings this morning. Blessed be your name, Lord Jesus. You pass through the fire, you walk through the water, he's with us. Fear not, little bride, hallelujah, for I am with you. Praise be to our God this morning, wonderful Lord Jesus. Truly there is no one like you this morning, O God. Blessed be your name, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. What a mighty God we serve. Praise be to his name. Amen, amen. Why don't we go ahead and sing Waymaker, if we could. Can we sing Waymaker? I believe we have the lyrics for that. You are here moving in our midst. You are here moving in our midst. I worship you. Yeah. 
him this morning. He is the way maker. He's the bridge builder. He's the life restorer. He's the home restorer. He's the soul savior. He's the healer. He's the deliverer. Whatever your circumstances, he is the answer. Jesus is the answer. Blessed be your name, Lord Jesus. Lord, we lift your name this morning, Lord. We give you worship and praise, Father. You are worthy, O God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, 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 as the angels sing, Lord, we lift our voices. We cry, holy, holy are you, Lord. Blessed be your name. Thank you, Father, for blessing this little meeting this morning with your presence, O God, for being here in our midst. Blessed be your name, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. We're going to go to prayer at this time. I'm going to ask the brothers if they would just come and prepare for the morning offering. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We don't have any written prayer requests, but we know there are many needs. We do also just want to remember the Caldwell family. Brother Ron Caldwell has stepped into his reward early on Friday morning. And then there's still details forthcoming about the memorial service that we'll make known to the congregation, but we'd want to ask the Lord to be with the family during this time, just be a healing balm and a comfort for them, and use this time, amen, to move amongst the family and the loved ones, amen, God be with them. Brother Michael Ray, could I ask you to come please, if you would, and open the service for us, amen, God would just have his way, thank you, brother. Amen. If you have a need, lift it up before him this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we are so thankful that we could sing the song, You Are Here, moving in our midst, Lord. How many places there are this morning, people gathering in different places, Lord, under different banners of what the world would call religion. But Lord, there's only a certain group of people that can say you are here, moving in our midst, Lord. They're worshiping a God they do not even know. But Lord, this morning we are worshiping the true living God that is moving amongst a people, Lord, that are giving you the worthy, all the glory and honor that you are due, Lord. Lord, I was just thinking as we sang the song, Lord, how you are indeed the way maker, how Israel came to that wall of a Red Sea. Lord, they were at a point where, Lord, it seemed nothing could be done. They were trapped between an enemy on one side and, and an impossible route on another side. How someone here this morning, Lord, could be in that exact position, Lord, where they seem their life is going, Lord, nowhere they're stuck between a devil on one side and an impossible situation on another. But, Lord, a waymaker was moving on the scene because, Lord, you came down and you told Moses to speak the word. Lord, why cry unto me? Lord, this morning morning why cry but Lord if we just speak it in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ Lord how Jericho stood before a people Lord there was a great wall Lord a stronghold of the devil that stood before them but Lord it was praise and adoration as they walked around those mighty walls Lord they worshipped you as they walked around those walls Lord if we
we could just realize this morning that in the worship of your people, there's healing. In the worship of your people, there's deliverance. Lord, in the midst of your people, at this very moment of the service, you could deliver the bound, oh God. You could heal those that are sick. If we could let loose our lungs and worship you, the King of glory, make Jericho's walls come crumbling down this morning, oh God. Lord, we don't come just to play church. Lord, that's a day gone by for people. But this morning, oh God, we come to worship you. We come to live for you. Lord, not to just be a tradition, but may the word come this morning. May it smite our souls, oh God. Lord, if we need judgment or chastisement this morning, we've come to the house for that purpose, oh God, that we would be pure and cleansed by the word this morning. We want nothing between our soul and our Savior. So, Lord, have your way this morning, oh God. Move amongst us in our midst, Lord. We desire, oh God, our children to see a living God. Our families to experience a living God. Oh God, not a God of yesterday, not a God of the past, but a God of today, a God of the present, Lord. Oh, we call upon you, Jesus. Lord, as those of old call upon you, Lord, as Elijah called upon you, may you fall like fire. Consume us, Lord, the sacrifice. Lord, we lay it upon the altar. Consume your people, oh God. Move in our midst, Lord. Meet the very individual needs that are held deep within the reaches of the soul. Oh God, may our craving for you, Lord, may it be only sufficed by the word, Lord. A thirst that can only be quenched by the word, oh God. Oh Jesus, that we could mean business with God today, we pray. We commit this service, Lord, the worship of your people and the word that will be delivered, which is the foremost and primary priority to our hearts this morning. Take butter, Tim, Lord, into your hands and speak through the vessel, we pray. Take the offering, the giving, Lord, use it for your glory. Lord, we give it to you. You are not just of our, of our funds, but our lives, Lord. Our gifts, oh God, our talents, Lord. Our time, oh God, we lay it before you this morning. In Jesus Christ's name, have your way, we pray now. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats as we take up the offering. We just want to be mindful and continue in this atmosphere that God would just have his way. We're going to sing one more song and invite our brother Tim to come and give him all the time that he needs this morning. Just a couple quick housekeeping notes from our precious deacons. They want to remind us that the foyer is not the area for fellowship. Many times, maybe you're done in the service, but there's other people here and we'll be playing and we can hear a lot of commotion taking place in the foyer. So please, let's just move that into the the rooms further back, the fellowship hall and so on. Just be mindful of what's taking place here in the sanctuary. And also the back rows, if we could please uh, just be mindful of the families with young children not just families with children, but young children who need to be maybe a little closer to the doors. If we could please leave those rows available for the families that need them for the young children. Amen. Brother Tim, why don't you go ahead and come as you feel too. We're going to sing, shout to the Lord, my Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. Amen. Let's just carry right on. I believe we're ready for the word this morning. The atmosphere is just wonderful already. So let's invite our brother Tim to come and bring the word this morning. My Jesus. My Savior. 
Hallelujah. Nothing compares to the promise we have in Him. Amen. Good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. 2023. Hard to say, isn't it? We never thought we'd be here, but we're still here. God in His long suffering, not willing that any would perish. He's allowed us to stay just a little bit longer here just to bring in every predestinated seed. He'll not lose one. And that's our burden, because that's God's burden. Greet you all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. And uh, bring you greetings, New Year's greetings from around the world. Uh, from Uganda, Ethiopia, Angola, Germany, Czechoslovakia, Turkey, Italy, India. I uh, could go on, I think. But, uh, and I... Many brothers individually often write and say, greet the church for me and give them our New Year's greetings and all of that. So greetings from the bride of Jesus Christ all around the world. They're impacted by your lives. They're impacted by this gathering of people here in Cloverdale. We are one body. It's not a, a body from this country and a body from that country. It's one body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're glad to be partakers with them. We want to be remembering our dear brother Isaac Vasantha Kumar and his family. He's in Chennai, India. Uh, and I just heard this morning before the service that he lost a son about 30 years old. And uh, I don't have the details yet. I know he was battling some health issues, uh, but the Lord chose to take him home. And uh, we certainly uh, know regardless that he's in a better place and we'll see him again but nevertheless the families is the ones that suffer he leaves behind small children as young as five months old and uh, so we want to remember the family this morning also remembering the Ringen family brother Andreas Ringen in uh, uh, I can't remember exactly the name of the town in northern Germany they've ministered for him a couple times over the last few years he lost his father this week and uh, you've heard also of the Caldwell family and others. You know, this is a late hour. And uh, we wish, we desire that we were all crossing over. Not by death, but by a change of these mortal bodies. And that's our, that's our heart's yearning. And, uh, but nevertheless, as one by one, we see them go across the curtain of time. We know on that side, there'll be no more sorrow. On that side, there'll be no more pain. On that side, he'll wipe away all tears from our eyes. Unfortunately, on this side, there's still tears. And these people, these families, we do feel for them. They, we, even though they're believers, and they know. But uh, I'll just say it this way. When I'm away from my family for a while, I miss them. You know, that's just the way it is. And it doesn't matter if they're in another land or if they're across the curtain of time, we miss them. But we'll be gathered together again. Can you say amen to that? Amen. You know, we're, that's the great gathering we're looking forward to. So let's bow our heads together in a word of prayer as we ask God's blessing on the service and, and upon these families. And if you have a need, why don't you just hold that before the Lord this morning? Wonderful Heavenly Father, we stand here this morning with nothing to present to you of our works, Lord. Not our labors, not our fruit, 
not our studying, not anything, but we present and hold before you the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. In that sacrifice alone we stand this morning, Lord, knowing, Lord, that it is sufficient, and it was counted sufficient for all that we have need of. Lord, you proved that it was sufficient. You signified that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on Calvary was sufficient for every promise by raising him again from the dead, O Lord. And he's not dead, but he's alive this morning. And Lord, you said wherever two or three are gathered in my name, here you are in the midst of them. And Lord, we certainly need you this morning. As we've sung this morning, you're the God of all comfort. Lord, you are the one that meets the needs of everyone that believes you, Father. Lord, you said if we would ask anything believing, that we would have what we ask. Lord, we're remembering our dear brothers and sisters who have lost loved ones these past weeks, oh God. Whether it be the, the Caldwell family or the Vasantha Kumar family, Lord, or the Ringan family or others, Lord, even that have gone on their way. The Billisberger family, Lord. Different ones, oh God. Lord, we remember them and uphold them because you are their comfort, Lord. And we pray that you'll pour in comfort into every situation. You alone know the burdens. You alone know the needs. And Lord, you know every need that is represented in this place, whether it be in this building, whether it be on the internet, wherever it might be, Father, we just invite you to have the preeminence. Take your word this morning, Lord. We thank you that it's not the vessel we're relying on. The vessel, the preacher will fail. Lord, the man, we, we are the, those that have no confidence in men, but we have confidence in the God that stands behind the man. That, Lord, you'll come this morning, you'll take the subject as you've laid it on my heart. May you just direct it the way that you want it to go. Lord, may you, the word, discern every thought. May you know every intent. Lord, may you divide us under between soul and spirit, discerning every situation and directing your comments, for your words are the words of life. And Lord, may your quickening power, even as we have sensed your presence, as even Brother Ryan has said, we sense your presence, not just feel it, but we sense it, Lord. We've been, we've been made sensitive to it. We've been sensitized to it, Father. And now as we sense you near, we invite you, Lord, to have your way. Oh, Lord, one word from you can change the trajectory of a life. And so we ask you, Lord, to take control now as we read your word, asking your blessing on it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Revelation chapter 19. Aren't you glad that we have the Lord to rely on in a time when sorrow comes around our home? You know, and, and I'm not majoring on sorrow. We still have a joy within us. The believer does. But you know what? This life is a life of sorrow and suffering. Jesus, when he came into this life, he said, the Bible said he's a man of sorrow acquainted with grief. And uh, we don't ever want to make small, make that small but we thank God for the joy that he has deposited within us. Excuse me, I just have a bit of a scratch in my throat. Amen. Revelation chapter 19, we've 
Prior to last service, we were in the subject of character, and we're going back to that this morning, continuing on the series of the example ruler and the character required. And I want to speak this morning on righteous judgment, righteous judgment. And uh, it's a, a great subject, and I pray that it not be lengthy this morning, but I pray that it will, the Holy Spirit will just direct and, and allow us to uh, just yield to him so that he'll anchor it in your heart. And, you know, it's, you might not be a lot of emotional preaching this morning, but the word of God establishes us. You know, we know Brother Brown said that teaching establishes the believer in the revelation of who they are. And, and we certainly need that aspect of ministry. And, uh, but we don't, it's, the word of God is never dry. And though there will be an aspect of the service this morning, sounds like I'm making excuses for myself, doesn't it? <laughs> there will be an aspect of the service this morning that will be very fundamental and maybe more geared towards new believers, but I think it will be good for all of us that we know where we stand in this hour. And so we trust that God will help us. Revelation chapter 19 and verse 11. And I saw heaven opened. And behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness does he judge. He doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Now remember that when we sing that song, I want to speak the name of Jesus. It's not just the word Jesus. His name is called the Word of God. And, his, and the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. Amen. The Lord add his blessing to the word. You may be seated. Just to refresh your memory, we were speaking on what character was and, and uh, not just what character does because God is taking his bride in these last days, these last hours of time, these last moments. I guess by now we could say these last decades, these years that have gone by that we, don't, we didn't know we would be here this long, but God has a purpose in it all. God does everything with a purpose. Everything that he puts us through is for a purpose. He has a people that he's called out of this age that will sit with him, as the Bible says of the Laodicean age, to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. A people that are called to rule. A people that are called to judge. But there must be a, a character in place, and that is the Christ-like character that is only molded in the fiery furnace of affliction. Uh, that Christ-like character, he is molding within us. It's him doing it. And he's bringing us to that place where we have the right character. And as we said already, character is the ability to make the right decision. Or I'll say it this way, character is the ability to judge with righteous judgment. 
Okay, Brother Branham, I'll read it just to refresh your memories out of the church age book. He says, unless we suffer with him, we cannot reign with him. You have to suffer to reign. The reason for this is that character simply is never made without suffering. Character is a victory, not a gift. A man without character can't reign because power, apart from character, is satanic. And we see a lot of that in these last days. But power with character is fit to rule. And since he wants us to share even his throne on the same basis that he overcame and is set down in his father's throne, then we have to overcome to sit with him. All right? So if we have to overcome to sit with him, then to sit on his throne is not a gift. It's a victory. Because it takes character to sit with him. It takes overcoming to sit with him. It's a place that's given to the overcomer. Brother Branham goes on and says, the little temporary suffering we go through now is not worthy to be compared to the tremendous glory that will be revealed in us when he comes. He says, oh, what treasures are laid up for those who are willing Now that goes to free moral agency. Who are willing to enter into his kingdom through much tribulation. Are you willing? That's pretty tepid, wasn't it? Are you willing? Are you willing to enter into his kingdom with the necessary character? Or do you want to take the easy way? You want to take the way with, the, with this generation, the way of, uh, uh, of just floating along life's rivers and doing what the rest of the world is doing and just kind of fitting in with society? Or are you willing to enter in through much tribulation? It's your choice. It's a free moral agency. You're put here on this earth with, with a decision faced before you. Will you serve him or will you not serve him? And so we realize that God has a perfect will for us. And God gives us opportunity to walk in his perfect will. Even those who, who ultimately in the Bible have decided like the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and said, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus, looking upon him, loved him and projected that love to him and told him exactly what he had need of. And he says he could see what his problem was and his problem was money. And he says, you, I, I, he says, go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor and come and take up your cross and follow me. But he, in his own estimation of the situation, he decided that his earthly money and his earthly pleasure was more valuable than eternal life. Than to rule and reign with Christ through all eternity. He was confronted with the choice. And he made the wrong choice. Can you say amen to that? His character had not reached the level that it needed to be. And that's a very sad parable. There's another man in the Bible that that Brother Branham takes and highlights the permissive will. And that is a man called Balaam. And Balaam was a genuine prophet. Brother Branham said he was. He was a prophet. And uh, 
Not only was he a prophet, he was a prophet that had, thus saith the Lord. He asked God, should I go with these men? And God said, don't go. That's pretty cut and dried, isn't it? But yet in the midst of all of it, Balaam, uh, he told the men that came to him from Balak that wanted him to come and to curse Israel because Balaam was a, was a Midianite, and, and I think it was Midianite, and, and Balak, of course, was a Moabite, and uh, King Balak, and wanted him to come, and, to, and he knew, knew that uh, uh, Balaam was a spiritual man, and so he, had some, he obviously knew that he had some sort of uh, connection with God, and it was by gift. And so he asked him to come and to curse Israel. And he sent ambassadors and they said, the king wants you to come and wants you to be on our side and to, to ask the curse upon Israel because they're, they're eating up everything that go, they go through every land and they defeat everybody. And I, I just want you to stand with us. And, and, and Balak, you know, he asked God and God said, don't go. That's my people. And then Balak said, okay. And they sent him away and said, I'm not coming. And then the king wasn't satisfied with that, and he sent ambassadors that are better talkers. Listen, if the devil doesn't get you once, he'll send a better opportunity. He'll send a smoother talker. He'll send someone more persuasive to rob you of your inheritance, to rob you of your position, to rob you of your life. And, he, and these other ambassadors came to Balak, or Balaam and said, you know, the king says this and this and this will be the reward and there's great things that you can do and, you know, we'll put you in charge of the ministry of religion and whatever more. And that wasn't his exact words, but I'm just saying that. You know, we'll put you in charge of the politics and we'll put you in charge of this and we'll take care of this and you'll be taking care of the rest of your life. Your family will be blessed. You'll have all kinds of opportunity. You know, it'll be almost limitless what you can do. And, and he convinced him not to go, but he convinced him to ask God again. And Balaam went to God again. And he says, shall I go? And God says, go. And uh, Balaam says, great. Uh, obviously, God was holding out for a better deal. <laughs> you know, we have a way of justifying ourselves, don't we? Oh, this is great. God's on my side. I didn't realize it was all because of a better deal. That wasn't what it was about at all. God looked at Balaam that Balaam wanted to go. And so what happened was Balaam left the perfect will of God and moved in the permissive will of God. Okay? And in the permissive will, that's where defeat is. That's where uncertainty is. That's where death and destruction lay. Even as he went on his way, the angel of the Lord with the sword stood in the way and would have killed him if it wasn't for the donkey that kept slamming him up against the side of the road. And Balaam was thinking, what is going on here? And finally the donkey says, you know, haven't I been a faithful? The donkey speaks to him. Haven't I been a faithful donkey for you? He says, and you're whipping me. He says, I, you'd die if I went forward. Even the donkey knew better than to go. And finally, Balaam's eyes come open, and he sees the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and he, and he repents, and the angel tells him, you're going to go, but you're only going to say the words that God puts in your mouth. And we know the end of the story that he ends up blessing Israel instead of cursing Israel. But Balaam never found out what awaited him in the perfect will of God. Now think about that. 
if he would have stayed and not gone, he never would have found out how God would have blessed him in the perfect will. He never did find out because he never stayed with the perfect will of God. What a shame. You know, when God reveals his will to you, it's an opportunity. The same as it was to the rich young ruler, it was to Balaam. Balaam missed the opportunity. And when God reveals his purpose to you in whatever situation it might be, it's an opportunity for you. Brother Branham experienced that time after time after time. When he was in India and, and he had that, he was uh, in the service, I think it was in Mumbai, where and I'd been in the building where the service was held, the church where the service was held, and saw the streets where the masses of the people were, and, and there in the city, right, not far from the ocean, and, and uh, all of that area there, because Mumbai's right on the coast there, and, and uh, uh, the masses of the people that would have been there, I stood on the platform where Brother Brown stood. Of course, it's been renovated now, but it's, you know, this is, a, I was thinking, you know, God's prophet stood here, and and in the prayer line came a man that was blind. He was so blind that his eyes were white. Uh, from, and I think he was a sun worshiper. And so his, his, he couldn't see anything. But Brother Branham saw a vision of the man seeing perfectly normally. Okay? I want you to follow me here. Because this is what Brother Branham says about it. He says, it was the sovereign grace of God... He says, there come a little shadow right over him, and I watched it, and it was a vision. And there stood a man, the man with his normal sight, just like everyone else. See, it was the grace of God that did it. Now watch the next statement. Then it was the opportunity. Now he knew it's God's will to heal this man. He knew this man's going to receive his sight. But now what am I going to do with it? Here God puts it in the hands of his prophet. It's like Elijah on Mount Carmel when God says to him, you go up there, you rebuild the altar, you, you put the sacrifice on the altar. He says, you pour the water on the altar, let there be a ditch around the altar, let it be all filled with water and, and let it be soaking wet, then I will send down fire from heaven when you call for it. That was the vision that Elijah had seen. But now what he's going to do with that is up to Elijah. All right, he had thus saith the Lord, but now it's up to him. See, that's where free moral agency begins to come into play. And Elijah stands there all day, he says, let the God that answers by fire, and he mocks them other people, and he, he tells them, Elijah's not worked up. He doesn't have to get it worked up, because as Brother Brown says, anointing is not emotions. Anointing is supreme power and control, knowing exactly what and how. And Elijah had the what and the how. And he stood there and he knew exactly what was going to happen because God had prepared him for that moment. And standing there under that anointing in the perfect will of God, he just called out to the prophets of Baal, hey, maybe call a little louder. You know, maybe your God's sleeping right now. You know, maybe, maybe you need to just, uh, uh, you know, be a little more sincere. 
No, excuse me for saying it that way. I didn't want to, that's not the right way to say it because that was touched on Wednesday night. And I'm not saying anything about Wednesday night. We do need to be more sincere. Okay? That's not what I'm saying. And I just felt like I need to clarify that at that moment. Maybe you need to press in harder. Maybe you need to get more emotional. Maybe you need to, to be, you know, a little more fervent. And they cut themselves and they did everything because Elijah had thus saith the Lord. He knew exactly where he stood. He knew exactly what he was talking about. He knew exactly what the word of God had said. He did. And when his turn came in the evening time as he rebuilt the altar, he didn't stand there and get all worked up about it and everything like that. He knew exactly what the word of the Lord was for that moment. And he said, now, Lord, let it be known that I am your servant and that you are God. And the fire came and consumed the sacrifice. Amen. He had, thus saith the Lord. And he took the opportunity to apply it. Amen. You know, there are times you've got to just take a hold of the opportunity. There's many times a preacher will stand in the pulpit and, and preach his heart out and wait for God to move. But when God's moving, that's the opportunity. That's the opportunity. Quickly, somebody make a stand. You know, when God's moving on your heart in a service, you know, many times Brother Ranham would, would call people out. That was their opportunity. And some of them missed their opportunity. Why they missed it, why they didn't recognize it is an amazing thing. But sometimes you'll give them a specific about their life and say, stand up and accept your healing and they'll miss it. And you'll say right in the tape, right on the, right on the recording, he'll say, listen, you missed your opportunity and God moves on to somebody else. They could have received their healing. Listen, Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. This is your opportunity. You're not guaranteed another service, actually. This is your opportunity. We might be shut down tomorrow. This is your opportunity. The rapture might take place this week. This is your opportunity. Don't look off to somebody. Don't look to just learn something this morning. But be recognizing that the Lord Jesus Christ is moving through the midst of his people this morning. And say, Lord, come by my way. Say something that will strike my heart. Direct a preacher to say exactly the right word. So that I can receive what I have need of today. There's many times I come to service. Most times, if not all times, where I sit in that chair and say, Lord, these preachers don't know what I'm going through. They don't know what my needs are. But Lord, you know. You know exactly what I have needed. Direct Brother Murphy. Direct Brother Tom. Direct Brother Michael. Whoever's preaching. Direct them, Lord. It's you, Lord. It's not them, Lord. It's you, Lord. I'm so glad it's not them. Amen. We wanted to have Brother David McGeary here this weekend, but he was unable to make it. But Jesus still came. Amen. Amen. Aren't you glad for that? Jesus still came. Praise the Lord. Brother Brown says you're based on free moral agency. And whatever a spirit you let dominate you will bring forth the fruits. It's your choice. Your life will be dominated by the inside. Whatever you let dominate you. You want to fill yourself with the devil's ideas from this age and the devil has opened every door 
into family life, into human life, into the human mind, and knows every channel, and he's pulled every trick and created every device to get his message to you. But you decide what spirit you let dominate your life. All right, now. Before we get to righteous judgment and the righteous judge, we need to establish what righteousness is. Let's turn in our Bibles to Romans chapter 4. You still with me this morning? Preachers like to make funny statements, not funny humorous, but funny strange, and say, well, that was my foundation, and now we're going to get to the subject. And then it doesn't make no difference. It doesn't change the service. It's just us preachers making ourselves comfortable. But that was my foundation. <laughs> Romans chapter 4. Now I want you to follow along with me here. I'm going to read it a number of verses. This is a rich chapter, and we'll refer to a lot of scripture this morning now. What shall we then say? What shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, has found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he has whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Amen. You could actually put those scriptures up here on the screen if you want to behind me for those that don't carry their Bibles anymore. But the Bible says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. What was counted? Abraham believed God. What was the righteousness? Abraham believed God. That was counted to him for righteousness. Abraham had no righteousness of his own. He wasn't a great guy. He was just a normal guy. He was just a a fellow like everybody else. But Abraham believed God. And that God looked at and said, that's righteousness. All right? So let's carry on. It says, now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not... But believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. There it is again. What's his righteousness? His faith. His faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered, blessed is the man whom the Lord, to whom the Lord will not impute sin. But you can read into that, therefore God imputes to him righteousness. That's one or the other, faith or unbelief. Faith which is righteousness, unbelief which is sin. All right? You, can, you have one or you have the other. God looking at you this morning either sees you as righteous or sees you as a sinner. 
There's no black, white bird, as Brother Branham said. There's, there's no healthy, sick man. Amen? There's no sleeping, awake man. Right? There's one or the other. It's black or white. It's sin or righteousness. And that's where we stand in the sight of God. Then he goes on, Paul writing here. He says, Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcision also? For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. That's the third time Paul says that. In this passage of scripture, faith is reckoned for righteousness. How was it then reckoned? When he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. Now, Paul's making a point here now, and he's saying, listen, sometimes when people look at the Old Testament before Jesus came, they view the Old Testament all as all under the law. No, the law did not come till Mount Sinai. The law did not come until Israel wanted something they could do to earn God's mercy, to earn God's blessing. They wanted something beyond the grace of God. And so that's when the law was given to them in Mount Sinai. But before Mount Sinai, which is before Moses, Abraham was walking under grace. Amen? All right, so it was before circumcision, before the law, verse 11, and he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had yet being uncircumcised. All right, let me just say it specifically now. Abraham, without works, was righteous. That's what Paul's establishing here. Let me read it to you. Hold your finger there. We're going to come back to this scripture. Let me read it to you out of one place where Brother Brown says, he says it many places. But this way, place is 1954. He says, here some time ago, I was speaking to a great fundamental brother. He said, what more can a man do but believe? I said, that's all he can do. But God can do more. He said, Abraham believed God, Brother Branham, and it was imputed to him for righteousness. I said, that's right. But he gave him the seal of circumcision as a confirmation of his faith. All right. He says, and then then Brother Branham says, and I said, if you haven't received the Holy Ghost since you believed... God's never confirmed that he accepted your faith. Like I said, this is fundamental this morning. But this is important for our young people to understand this. He hasn't, he's never confirmed that he's accepted your faith. For the baptism of the Holy Ghost is the confirmation that God has accepted your faith. All right? So it's not now. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Let's go back to the scripture. Verse 11, he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had. Sometimes we just glance over it, and I don't want to do that. He received the seal, Brother Branham said, as the circumcision, as a seal of what? The righteousness which he already had. 
the righteousness of the faith which he already had. It's a sealing of what he already had. Amen? All right. Yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe. That's you. Though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them. That's you also. Amen. Righteousness is imputed to you. How? Somebody say it. By faith. That's the only way. Righteousness comes as a result of the faith which you have. When you believe God. I'll come to it a little bit more in detail. He says, and the father, verse 12, and the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision also, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. For the promise that he should be heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. All right, so let's break it down a little bit. Based on this scripture, you won't get the Holy Ghost unless you believe. No other way to get the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is a seal of the righteousness of faith in the believer. That's what the Holy Ghost is. It's not given to you because you pray. It's not given to you because you fast. It's not given to you because you're desperate. It's not given to you because you're sincere, even though all those things are good. Amen? We preach all those things. You need to pray. You need to fast. You need to be sincere. You need to be desperate. All of those things. But that doesn't bring you the Holy Ghost. The Bible says about Esau that he sought a place of repentance with tears. With all the sincerity that he knew how, he could never find his way back. Why? Because he did not believe what he had was worth more than a mess of pottage. There was no faith there, but Jacob believed. Jacob said, I must have that more than anything this world has to offer. I want God's way. I want God's word. I want God's blessing. I don't care what the world has to offer. I don't care about nothing else. I just believe. And God saw that and said, Jacob, have I loved, but Esau, have I hated. Amen. But it had nothing to do with Jacob's desperation. No, his desperation came because of his faith. It had nothing to do with his sincerity, but his sincerity came because of his faith. All of those things, there was a faith laying inside him, and God only recognizes faith. All right, I want you to catch that now. All those other things are good. Don't get me wrong. But you have to take the word that God sends to you and believe his word. There's no other way. I say, come up. Everybody that wants the Holy Ghost, come up. We're going to have a prayer line. We're going to lay hands on every one of you. If you don't believe, nothing's going to happen. Nothing at all. You could cry. You could be desperate. I want God to change my life. But if you don't believe his word, he will never give you the Holy Ghost. There is only one way to get the Holy Ghost. Believe his word. 
You could have the most anointed brother. Branham himself could be here. Peter could be here. Who laid his hands on the Jews in Samaria, on the Samaritans. And after they had believed the word. And they received the Holy Ghost. But when he went to the centurion, the Gentile went into their house. As he preached the word. The Holy Ghost fell on them. Amen. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spoke with tongues and whatever more. They had all kinds of manifestations. But the point was they believed. They received the word as Peter preached on them. Paul went up into the coast of Ephesus. And he saw them preaching Jesus Christ. And he says, well, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said, well, we don't know whether there be any Holy Ghost. He says, well, then how were you baptized? He said, unto John's baptism, the very one that baptized Jesus Christ. And he said, that's not good enough. Because John just baptized under repentance. That's not the full measure of the word that has been revealed. And he preached to them Jesus Christ. And you must be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And they received the baptism. They received the word. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost. That's the only way. There is no other way. There must be righteousness because the Holy Ghost is a seal of the righteousness. Which is by faith. And the only way to be righteous is by faith in the word of God. Ephesians 4, Brother Branham says in another place, Ephesians 4 says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of your redemption. The seal of God, God's recognition as you as a believer. That's what the Holy Ghost is. It's God's recognition as you as a believer. Seals you into the body by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Is that all I got to do, Brother Tim, is believe? Yeah. But if you believe, you'll do other things. But the thing you got to do is believe. Say, well, Brother Tim, I've been going, I've been raised in the mess. I've been going to church all my life. I've never got the Holy Ghost. I've been in services. I've had hands laid upon me. I've been to the altar. I've done this. I've done that. Every kind of thing. I've been to a camp meeting. We got camp meetings coming up and all of those kind of things. I've been through all these kind of things, Brother Tim. And and I just go right back into the world. I'll tell you what your problem is. You don't believe. Sorry. But that's the reality. You just don't believe. Brother Tim, how do I get faith? Faith comes by hearing the word. If you're a seed of God, there is no way for you not to be quickened by feeding on the word of God. It's impossible because only the elect can be born again. Those who God foreknew in his mind before the foundation of the world. He wrote their names on the Lamb's book of life. He sent his word into the age. And the elect of the hour are quickened by the message of the hour. There's no other way. And God sends his word and it quickens you. And God recognizes you and he fills you with the Holy Ghost. Doesn't have to be altered. It could be. It could be in your home. It could be in your car. It could be somewhere else. It could be anywhere. But when God sees that genuine faith, He sends the seal upon it because that's His purpose, whereby you are sealed until the day of your redemption. Amen. So let me just say it again. This is just fundamental 
for the, especially for the young people, but for all new believers, and it's good for us older believers too. You know, I love listening to Brother Brown's messages on Abraham's grace covenant. It's as fundamental as they come, but I just love listening to them again and again. It's grace. And I'll just say it this way now. God will not give you the Holy Ghost to make you a believer. God gives you the Holy Ghost because you are a believer. Amen? Praise the Lord. It's just as simple as that. So it isn't just get the Holy Ghost. It's only believe. We'll pray with you. We'll lay hands on you. We'll have services. These great evangelists that we have and other preachers, I don't mean to lump everybody into evangelism, but, you know, everybody's got their gift in the body. Everybody has their own makeup. I can't preach like Brother Murphy. I try to stop sooner. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) It won't be that way this morning. (laughs) I can't preach like Brother Tom. I certainly cannot be like Brother Michael. He's one of a kind. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in a good way. You know, the gifts that these brothers have, I don't possess. But we all, in our way, express what has been revealed by God to us, that you might receive the Holy Ghost. We'll pray with you. We'll we'll have services with you. We'll have camp meetings with you. We'll have all those things. But unless you believe, you ain't getting the Holy Ghost. Let me just say it again. If you're not going to believe God's word, you're not going to get the Holy Ghost. It's just that simple. He's not going to give you the Holy Ghost so you can believe. No, you already can believe. You have to die out to yourself, believe his word, and he will send his Holy Spirit into your life in the way that he wants to give it to you. Now remember, the Bible says Abraham believed God. That's what the scripture tells us. It's, it's not just to Abraham, but it's also to his seed. But Abraham had to, had to believe God. You know, Paul picks it up in Galatians chapter 3. You don't have to turn to it. You can if you want to. But he, he picks it up in Galatians 3. And he says, even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, in thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in the things which are written in the book of the law to do them, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by the Holy Ghost. No, it's not what it says. If you have your Bible open. The just shall live by faith. You see, what I'm saying is that get faith. And you'll get the Holy Ghost. If you're struggling, get faith. Don't struggle for the Holy Ghost. Get faith. 
Get to the place where you believe every word of God. Get to the place where the world doesn't matter to you. Get to the place where you believe God's word. You believe his promise. You believe his message to this hour. Whatever way God makes it real to you. You get it to the place that it's real to you. I guarantee you God will give you the Holy Ghost. God keeps his word. And it's a promise of God. Now God had to speak to Abraham first. Does that surprise you? Abraham didn't, the Bible did not say Abraham believed in God. Now we're going a different direction. So don't come to church saying, I believe in God. That's not going to give you the Holy Ghost. There's many people in the world that believe in God. Believe that there is a God. The Bible even says there's a God of this evil age. And that's Satan. And, there, and he is worshipped in this evil age. So all over the world, people are believing in God. And, and there's all kinds of different religions and all kinds of things. But the God of heaven, as Elijah on Mount Carmel said, if Jehovah is God, then serve him. And Israel was waffling around, well, because we've heard that Baal is God and we've heard that Jehovah is... They had it back there in Israel. Well, there's this religion and there's that religion and these people are sincere and those people are sincere and everybody's got their form of worship and so what makes you think you're right? Elijah just called it to a showdown. Well, I am right and let the God that answers by fire, let him be God. Because if he's God, he's real. If he's God, he's supernatural. If he's God, he's infinite. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. If he's God, he's all of these things. So Elijah was called to that position to prove God. That's why Brother Branham was sent in this hour. His ministry was to prove that Jesus Christ is here. Amen. His ministry not, was not to debate doctrine. His ministry was to prove the Bible is true. His ministry is to prove that Jehovah is God. Amen. And Elijah stood up there, and, and God is real. And it wasn't that God said to Abraham, and the Bible does not record, and God came to Abraham and says, do you believe there's a God? That's, God's not interested in that. That's religion. As we've heard over the pulpit many times here, we're not interested in just being a church. We're not interested in just being religious. We don't come here this morning. We don't come here on any service just to, just to be re- religious or feel religious. No, we come here to say God is real. We come here to meet with that God. As Brother Michael said this morning when he prays, we come here. If God wants to correct us, we say correct us, Lord. If God wants to deal with us, deal with us, Lord. However God wants to move this morning, he's real. He's personal and he's for you individually. And God came individually to Abraham, not on the subject of worship or on the reality of God or whether he believed in God, but he came to Abraham and he took him out and he showed him the stars in the heaven and he said, as you, you know, see if you can number these stars, as these stars are, so shall your seed be. That was a specific message to Abraham. And it was there that the Bible says Abraham believed God. Amen. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. Amen. The message came by his way. 
Abraham, you're the father of many nations. Abraham, this look up in the heavens. You see the stars, so shall your seed be. The promise is to you, the promise is to your seed. And everything is God revealed himself to Abraham. Abraham believed God. And God looked at Abraham. Didn't matter as what his works were. Didn't matter that he was uncircumcised. Didn't matter what his natural attributes were. Abraham believed God. And because he believed God, God led him from place to place. God gave him the seal of circumcision. God said, you're mine. Amen. God said, I recognize that righteousness. What righteousness? Because he was whole. He, he walked in a certain way, dressed in a certain way, because he had a certain form of worship, because he had a certain way of sacrificing, because he had a certain altar. Listen, Cain's altar was better than Abel's, but Abel by faith offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. And God looked at Abraham's faith and said, you are a righteous man. Hallelujah. And God sends his word to you. That's what God's looking at. Your response to his word. God knows you can't measure up to his acts. He's not expecting you to live like him under your own power. Well, if I could just quit smoking, if I could just quit drinking, if I could just live a better life, if I could just get rid of this temper, if I could just stop, stop telling lies, if I could just quit getting stumbled every time I look at a naked woman, if I could just do this, if I could just do that, oh my God, help me. Eventually I'll get the Holy Ghost. That's got nothing to do with it. Take his word. God speaks to you his word. You believe his word. I don't care what state you are in life. You accept his word. And you tell the devil, I don't care how weak my flesh is. I believe your word. I believe God's word. I believe his promise. I'm getting way ahead of myself. But I don't believe in the lying vanities. Jonah was in the, the, the fish's stomach and he looked around him and he could have just said, well, you know what? There's no way. There's no way. I, I, I'm gone. I'm a goner. Regardless of the fact that I'm a prophet of God, regardless of the fact of how God has spoken to me in life, regardless of the fact that his word is true, I'm just a goner. No, the Bible says, Jonah said, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercies. But he forsook the lying vanities. And he said, I'll not look to these lying vanities. I'll turn myself somehow. I just believe the temple is in this direction. Now the world is round, so it didn't really matter what direction he was pointed in. Right? Because you go right around the world. But he was pointed in faith towards the temple. More importantly than that, he believed God's answer to Solomon's prayer. He said, you said, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, then will I hear from heaven, and I will heal their lands. I will deliver them from captivity. I will set them free. Jonah believed God. Amen. And he stood on the word of God. He says, forget about these lying vanities. I say to you this morning, forget about the lies of the devil. 
who was it, Brother Tom or Brother Murphy or both of you that talked about the, the weakness or the mistakes of the flesh? You know, uh, you were ta- they, were, they were preaching to you. They're preaching to me. Listen, I get as discouraged as anybody. Thank you. Yeah. I'm as weak as the next person. Why is he getting so quiet? You think I'm perfect or something? Come on. I go through troubles. And listen, anybody with 10 children is going to go through troubles. All right? I've been on my, on my knees so many times for my children. I'll tell you what. I'm amazed I got knees left. I guess I'll say it that way. It's just still there. And the devil will tell me, yeah, you made a mistake back here. Oh, yeah, look what you did over there. Oh, yeah, so-and-so's a better father than you are. And you know what? It's all true. But then I just turned. I said, I don't care what you say, devil. I believe the Word of God. And I have a promise in the Word of God. I'm not standing on my strength. I'm not standing on my ability. I'm not standing on my, my, my greatness as whatever, a preacher, a father, a husband, whatever more maybe. I'm standing alone on the divine promise of God's word, and I believe him. And Brother Michael, I will die believing. It doesn't matter. That's the, that's the way it is. That's, a, I, that's the Son of God that's got the Holy Ghost. He knows he's weak. He knows he's full of mistakes. But he still knows the Word of God is true. He believes God. And that alone is sealed by the Holy Ghost. So the Word came to Abraham. I didn't think I was going to get preaching this morning, but I guess it's just too good. The word came to Abraham. Now, Abraham loved Lot. Was his nephew. When nobody else stood with Abraham, Lot stood with Abraham. Is that right? Lot says, Abraham, God spoke to you, told you to leave. I'm coming with you. I'm going to go too. You're not going to leave me behind. I'm, I'm a part of this. Lot had a good confession. The problem was he didn't have a good revelation. You see, because the revelation never came to Lot, it came to Abraham. Lot had his place. Don't get me wrong. Lot had his place. But the promise to Abraham was to his seed. Lot was not his seed. Lot was his brother's seed. All right? Now, you could say, well, that, couldn't faith put Lot in? It could have, if Lot really believed. But when it came to confrontation, and the herdsmen of the two men began to be in conflict, Lot didn't believe so much anymore. Now it came to a place where some hard decisions had to be made, and some difficult times was upon them, and Lot says, you know what, Abraham? I think... You know, we, it's time we separate. And Abraham, of course, said, yeah, that's, this is the time that we'll separate. I think it was Abraham that brought it up. And he said to Lot, he says, you choose whatever you want to choose. Whatever way you That's the believer. It doesn't matter to me what you choose. 
He wouldn't have said it to Lot, but he said, because God's on my side. And if God's with me, who can be against me? It doesn't matter what the devil says. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. It doesn't matter if I turn down the job. It doesn't matter if I, go, if I go against what the world says I should do. It doesn't matter about the education. It doesn't matter against anything else. Because if God's for me, who can be against me? But Lot chose economic opportunity. He looked down at the well-watered plains of Sodom and said, you know what? There's a great opportunity there. See, when you're confronted with a decision, you're confronted with an opportunity. And Lot chose the opportunity for natural increase over spiritual increase. Amen. Somebody said, God help us. That's exactly right. That's where we need to be in our lives. Lord, help me to make the right decision. Help me to have the right character. That when it comes right down to it, I stay with your word. I stay in your perfect word. Hallelujah. I'm going to make a statement that's going to be hard. But I want you to see how I, how I justify it in the word. Sometimes it's good if your children are threatened. Sometimes it's good. Because it was actually on a question of children that Abraham received the promise. See, Abraham went to God and said, Lord, what are you going to do for me seeing I go childless? Lord, I don't have no children. And Lord, what are you going to do for me? It's to my shame. I have no children. What, what, what's, how can you help me? Is Eliezer, this servant in my house, Eliezer of Damascus, is he going to inherit all of these things? And that's when God took him abroad and showed him the stars in the heaven. And that's when Abraham believed God. I'm not saying it's good for children to go in the world. But it's good for parents to be concerned about their children. Don't be, don't ever, uh, and I say it from experience, I guess, as, as anything, don't despise the dealing of God with you because of your children. God was dealing with Abraham because of his children. And he looked up to the stars and he recognized, God says my children will be there, they'll be there. And that was accounted for righteousness. Because he believed, his life changed. But he still walked 25 years from the beginning of the promise to the manifestation of the promise. Though the vision tarry, yet wait for it. He still had to walk with God. He was sealed by the seal of circumcision. And I'll make a note here as we're just pause the tempo a little bit here. And for you sisters that are bombarded by the spirit of this age, I want you to recognize something here. The covenant of circumcision was to the man only in the Old Testament. You understand what I'm saying? Now, it was the New Testament or Christianity 
that brought the sisters into the covenant. See, in the Old Testament, the women were part through their husbands or through their fathers. But now in the New Testament, there's neither male nor female. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither Jew nor Gentile. So don't listen to the devil in this age that says Christianity is bondage. Christianity is not bondage. Christianity is liberty to the sisters. That you have direct access to the covenant, not based on a man. You follow me now? All right? So I just wanted to drop that in because the devil, you know, he just tries to be hard on our sisters. Hey, well, you're living in bondage. No, devil, you're just a, you're just a, a victim. Everybody's a victim in this hour, isn't he? Everybody's a victim. Everybody, oh, woe is me because I'm this, that, or the other. I got this problem. And well, I got news for you. Everybody's got a problem. So we're either all victims or we're all not victims. And I say we're not victims. I say we're living under the liberty of the covenant of the grace of God through Abraham by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's where we're living in this hour. So, as we press forward, you can't complain then that God doesn't give you the Holy Ghost. Only believe. That's on you. That's what you do. That's your faith. There's, there's just two things. You simply don't believe what God is speaking to you or you refuse to seek God. There's many examples in the Bible of people that refuse to seek God. You know, we, we read in Jeremiah 29, we love that scripture. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Everybody stops there. But you know, actually, it goes on. It says, then shall you call upon me and you shall go and pray unto me and I will hearken unto you and you shall seek me and find me. When you shall search for me with all your heart. Amen. 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 There is an expected end. But there's things that happen in that expected end. That God knows. He's, he sent this message of this hour for you personally. You're sitting in Laodicea now. You're sitting under the message of the messenger for Laodicea. God sent his angel into Laodicea and said, preach this to the church. And he laid out his word. Behold, I send you Elijah the prophet before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, a message to the last age to bring them into the required condition for a rapture. In the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, all the mystery of God shall be finished. You're living under all those scriptures. All of them are real now, but what do you say? What do you say about that? I'm not, I can stand up and preach here this morning and preach there is a message, there is a message, there is a message. That's not going to do you any good until you know what the message is and you believe the message. Amen, Amen Brother Mark. So we were sitting there in the park over there in Orville. 
in the, uh, our motorcycles. We parked our motorcycles. We're sitting there, and he goes, he comes at me again about the message. You know, I'm just sitting there, this banker boy talking to this RCMP officer, and uh, he's telling me about uh, the message. He brings up this term, the message. I said, all right, stop right there. I've heard about the message enough now. The message, the message, the message. What's different about the message than what I already believe? That was the key question. Because Brother Mark had been in the message all of six months. Maybe a little bit longer than by then. He was a theologian. No, he didn't know very much. Excuse me. But he knew a lot more than I did. And he said, well, he says, have you ever heard about serpent seed? That's part of the message. That's part of the message. When you preach serpent seed, you're preaching the message. When you preach true, true water baptism, you're preaching the message. When you, when you preach about election and predestination, you're preaching the message. When you preach about all these truths that have been revealed about the Godhead, when you preach, preach about messengers, when you preach about all that, you're preaching the message. And so he, he said to me, have you heard about serpent seed? And I said, no, what's serpent seed? And he said, well, the original sin in the Garden of Eden was not an apple, wasn't an apricot, whatever. He says it was a sin, a sexual sin between Eve and the serpent. And as soon as he said that, Amen. bang. Amen. Someone says bang. I don't remember. Is that a rekadroka? <laughs> boom, boom. Thank you. <laughs> boom. Boom. It went off. And I thought, well, that explains my Bible. That, that makes it real to me. And at some point in that season, and it was that season, you say, well, Brother Tim, what day did you get the Holy Ghost? I don't know. Was it there at the park where I recognized the word? Could have been. Was it another day when I was on my face before God, calling out to God? Could have been there. Had an experience with God over here. Was in the log church over here. Got baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Could have been there. I know I saw a light when I was over there. It doesn't matter that I saw a light or didn't see a light. But the reality is something changed in my life because I believed the word. God sent his message and I believed it. I didn't just say I believed it. I wasn't convinced about it. That man didn't know enough to convince me. He just knew the truth and he told me the truth and it changed my life. And I've never looked back since. And it transformed me. And the desires of the world that I had just left me. What day did they leave you, Brother Tim? I don't know. I just got down the road a little, a little ways and thought, well, where'd those things go? I used to be like that. And I used to be like that. But I'm not like that anymore. What day did they leave me? I don't know. But I know they left me. I know my nature was changed. I know God came in. Hallelujah. And has sustained me every day since because it is a seal of the righteousness of faith that laid in Tim Dodd. So if you're looking for the Holy Ghost, get into the Word. Till God strikes you. You know, seek the Lord with all your heart. I'm not trying to make it easy for you. Matter of fact, I don't want to make it easy for you. You know, some, some people say easy believing. I have no idea what that is. 
It's a wrestling. It's a personal wrestling that you must have God more than anything else. Well, however that manifests in your life, get into the word until you know that you believe. And when you know that you believe, go a little further until God knows that you believe. And when God knows that you believe, he sends down his spirit upon that righteousness. Hallelujah. And quickens you. Glory be the name of the Lord. See, David said to Solomon when he was dying, he says, I go the way of all the earth. He says, keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies as it is written in the law of Moses, that thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest and whithersoever thou turnest thyself, now listen to what he says here, that the Lord may continue his word which he spake concerning me, saying, if thy children take heed to their way to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, there shall not fail thee, said he, a man on the throne of Israel. So God promised David, if your children will walk in my ways and keep my commandments, your lineage will continue upon the throne. That was God's promise to David. Now David is commissioning Solomon. Stay in the word, Solomon. Keep the word. Seek God with your whole heart. Now watch. David's grandson, Rehoboam, he comes to kingship. In 2 Chronicles chapter 12, and the Bible says, Rehoboam strengthened himself in Jerusalem and reigned. Rehoboam was 41 years old when he began to reign, and so on and so forth. And he did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. And what happened in Rehoboam's reign? The Israel, Israel as a nation becomes split. And they lost 11 or 10 of the tribes to Jeroboam, and he had just, I think it was Benjamin and Judah, whomever was left. But the point was not the promise. The point was Rehoboam decided, I don't need to seek God. Young men, you need to seek God. You hearing me this morning? You need to set in your heart, regardless of what your life holds for you, you need to seek God. And you need to seek him with your whole heart. I look over here, young women, you need to do the same. It's not just men. Married men, married women, you need to seek God. You need to seek Him with your whole heart. This may, we did not come all this way. I, I was thinking, Brother Tom, going back to the day, the beginnings. You know, and Brother Tom certainly is older than I am and has, has a much larger testimony than I do. But, you know, back in the beginnings, the days were we were in the Word all the time. This message was not something that we just came to church and said, oh, well, we believe the message. Praise the Lord. Brother Biscoe's going to preach us happy, and we're going to be satisfied. We're going to have a wonderful meeting, and the presence of God is going to come down, and we're all going to be anointed. No, we were in the Word. We finished one message. We went on to the next message. We finished that message. We went on to the next message. Didn't matter if we were playing a, we call it playing a tape. We got to explain that to the younger generation. The recordings that we now call MP3s. All right, we called them tapes in those days. And we would play them one after the other after the other. And it cost us money to do that. 
but we had set our heart to seek God and God honored that. That's why there's a Cloverdale Bible way. That's why this church is here. That's why these blessings are here. Because men of God purposed in their hearts to seek God. God called me to another field for 27 years. They were still here. Brother Tom was here. Others were here. And many of you were here in those days. Brother Ken and different ones. To seek God. Purpose in your heart to seek God. That the blessings may continue. Young men, don't live on the blessings of your parents. Young women, don't live on the blessings of your parents. Biscal family, don't live on the blessings of your parents. Hear me this morning. You think just because you had a great grandfather and you got great fathers, it's more than that. David's grandson went sideways. Purpose in your heart to seek God. Know your God. Daniel said there'll be a people that'll rise up in the last days and they'll know the God of their pastor. Not what it says, is it? It says they'll know their God and they shall do exploits because righteousness has been allotted to them and they stand sealed with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I certainly don't have time to go into it. When you go home, read 2 Chronicles 15. Powerful, powerful chapter in the Bible. Asa rising up to the kinghood, to the kingship of, of Judah and Benjamin. And it says, they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul. And God blessed them. Hallelujah. All right. Now we come to our subject. John was caught up in the spirit on the Lord's day. And he saw the righteous judge. See, I had to establish righteousness to come to righteous judgment. What I have just described is the people that will sit in judgment and judge the world. And John in Revelation chapter 1 was caught up in the spirit and saw Christ before him standing in the midst of the candlesticks with the, as Brother Bram said, the sevenfold image of his person, the sevenfold description of his person. And Brother Bram picks it up. He says, now his hair was white as snow. And then he goes back to Daniel, chapter 7, which is another chapter you can read when you go home. And Daniel has a dream, a vision, and in the vision he sees all the kingdoms of the world and the different powers behind all the kingdoms. And he, the four beasts that he saw there in Daniel chapter 7. And he said, I beheld till the thrones were cast down and the ancient of days did sit. Now, Brother Brown takes that and shows what, what Daniel is seeing is what John is seeing. And what John is seeing on the Lord's Day is not a Sunday. He's seeing over on the dreadful day of the Lord, over on this day that we're living in. All right? So John is seeing Christ changing from priest 
to judge. And he's taking up, he's putting on the white wig, the white hair. He says his hair isn't white, it's a wig, like it's a symbol form. And it's representing that he's the ancient of days or he's the supreme judge. And he's standing there now as the supreme judge, not gird about the loins as a priest would, but gird about the paps as a judge would. And he's standing there in his judgeship. And he says, Brother, he, Brother Brown says, Daniel saw him with that white hair. He was the judge opening the books and judging out of them. Daniel saw him coming in clouds. That's exactly what John saw. They both saw exactly the same. They saw the judge with his judgment girdle over his shoulders, standing pure and holy, full of wisdom, fully qualified to judge the world in righteousness. God is molding you because you are also called to judge the world in righteousness. He is the righteous judge because he is the word. There is no other judgment. You know, the Brother Bram talks about it in many places. He says the Catholics believe that the Catholic Church will judge the world. He says, but the word will judge the world. It is the word. He come forth as the mighty judge, and he had a name written on him, which was the word of God. And he comes forth as the righteous judge to mete out righteous judgment upon the earth. Let me just, and I'm, again, I have to go another place. Are you still with me? Let me just read you some things that Brother Branham says over the ages about the bride judging. He's asked a question, 1954, will only those that have the baptism of the Holy Ghost be in the rapture of the church or will all believers be indicated? He says, only the Holy Ghost bride will be in the rapture. He says, the rapture, the church had gone on, then they come down and the judgment was set and the books was open. All right, 1959, God's got a minority somewhere. God's got a little church that will move right on with the baptism of the Holy Ghost to claim in the light. And they'll be the ones that through their testimony will judge the world. And now we could preach the rest of the service just on that quote. Their testimony will judge the world because they overcome by the word of their testimony. Amen. And you have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And your testimony is the overcoming that you do by your character. Amen. Amen. So we will judge the world through our testimony. 1960. The, to the sheep they stood the judgment. They had to be judged. The saints had to judge them. God is not unjust. If a heathen's down in the land and we are building eight and ten million dollar gold shrines here in America, instead of taking the message to them over there... God's going to hold us responsible, but spare them. Now you see the importance of missions? He says, you're building your great edifices over here and not taking the message out. He says, God will judge you and he'll justify them. All right. He says, we're responsible for taking the message. You're responsible whether you hear it or not. All right. Now it says, 
question 1961. I just want to drop these things in for you. It says, the question, now were the five virgins lost? He's talking about the, one, the questions about the ones without oil. Those are the people where he separated the sheep from the goats. They stood before the judgment. You say, well, Brother Branham, don't we stand the church? No, sir. We do not stand before the judgment. We are now standing before the judgment. God put our sins upon Christ. He that heareth my word, St. John 5, 24, and believeth on him that sent me, has eternal life and shall not come into the judgment, but has passed from death unto life. No more judgment for the church. It's took up in the rapture and comes back to pass judgment upon the people that did not receive the Holy Ghost. So let me reiterate here for those of you that don't believe. Without the Holy Ghost, you're going to the tribulation. It's just that simple. I'm sorry if that's a little uncoded for you or a little straight, but that's the reality. Only those that are sealed will be caught out of here in the, rap- in the catching away. All right. In the breach message, Then he become not a lamb, but a lion. He calls for his queen to come stand by his side. That's the message. Know ye not that the saints shall judge the earth. Brother Brown says, Revelation 10, he cries as when a lion roareth. He's talking about it in the breach here. He's saying he's going from lamb to lion. And as a lion, he calls for the queen to come stand by his side. He says, and then he says immediately, he says, Know ye not that the saints shall judge the world? Why is the queen being called to judgment? To judge the world, to take her place in the throne. Sardisian church age, the bride is with him in the throne. She is to judge the world. She has to, as she is to judge the world, she has to be sitting in the judgment with him. That is exactly what Daniel saw. Then he goes back to Daniel 7 that I already talked about. All right. You with me? You shall judge the world. God's purging you now. You'll either be purged here or in the tribulation. But God purges us now by his word. He brings us into the reality of the character of Jesus Christ. So now character is the ability to make the right decisions. You see, I'm watching my time. And therefore, it's the fitness to rule. Then righteous judgment is the decision made at the appropriate time or opportunity. Righteous judgment is a decision made at the right time. That's why the Bible says in this world that we're living now, judge not lest you be judged. We'll come to that. But we don't judge now. We don't have the deciding factor who's going to make it and who's not going to make it. Jesus even said to the Pharisees, judge with righteous judgment. Don't look at the outer, but judge with righteous judgment. There are factors. There are things happening in spiritual realms. And as Brother Branham said, there's people that are going to make it that you think are not going to make it. And vice versa. There are people that will, make it, will not make it 
that us, we think they're such great people, they're going to make it. Don't judge just by our natural eyesight. Don't judge by just what you see on the outer because God does not seal by what he sees on the outer man. God seals by the righteousness of faith that he sees in the heart of the believer. Amen. One time Solomon was come, was come to judgment. He come sit on the throne. One of his first cases, we all know it, is the two prostitute women. That one had lost a child and swapped the child, the child, the children. And, and, and so the, the, one, the wrong mother had the child and the other said, it's my child. And they didn't know what to do. So Solomon was standing there. Now he needed a righteous judgment. He needed a true judgment. He needed a judgment according to the word. And as he thought about it and thought about it, then it came to him. God gave him wisdom so that he said, now I'll tell you what we'll do. Let's get a sword and we'll cut the child in half and and we'll give a half to each mother so they both have a half a child. And of course he knew that the right mother, the real mother would have that mother nature. And it doesn't matter. Just let my child live. If he's got to be raised by the other woman, so be it. But let him live. Amen. That's what a mother is like. And Solomon who says, that's the real mother. The other one, she's not the real mother. The other one who said, well, if that's your decision, that's your decision. I guess that's the way it's going to be. See, she, was go- she didn't determine the evil, but the, the real righteous mother answered to the real righteous decision. Because there was that real nature within her. And the word always appeals to the real nature. See, it's not a matter of you figuring out what is right or wrong. It's always give it the word test. Amen. Whatever situation you're in, take it back to the word. Judge with righteous judgment. Because there will be a day of judgment that the only decisions made there will be righteous decisions. Amen. You know, David one time. David, a man after God's own heart, got into a bad place, committed adultery with Bathsheba. You know the story. And she, and I don't have time to preach on it. It's about two services worth in itself. And there, and there he was in this situation and God spoke to Nathan. That's one of the things that God will do for his children. He'll expose the error. And we have to bow our heads and say, thank God. When I'm wrong, Lord, I know, I, I want to know I'm wrong. Now, David had no doubt justified himself in his own mind. You know, worked it all. Well, you know, uh, Uriah's dead now. So it's lawful for me to have her. And uh, everything's okay now that everything has worked itself out. And, and uh, now I'm, I'm back to favor with God. And so Nathan the prophet comes in and says, David, there's this case. And David's sitting there now in a self-justified form. The prophet comes in and says, David, there's this case. Listen, there's a man, he only had one lamb. And he treated that lamb like a child. He slept with the lamb. The lamb was carried in his bosom. He raised that lamb. He nurtured that lamb. That lamb was everything to him. He says, there was a rich man. He had many lambs. He says, and that rich man had a visitor come and, and, and he wanted to make a sacrifice to the visitor. So he said, uh, he took the other man's only lamb and he slew that lamb. You see, what the, what the prophet was doing was reaching down into the area of righteous judgment within David. 
David was living in his self-justified mind. But down in his heart, he was still a man after God's own heart. And there, the prophet of God brought out of David something David had been trying to hide. And David said, what? That is such an evil thing. Not knowing he's talking about himself. That is such an evil thing. Whoever did this thing, he'll repay. I forget what it was, tenfold or hundredfold or something like that. And he said, not only that, I think he said he'd be killed. I, I wasn't going to preach on it, so I didn't look it up this morning. He said, the man is worthy of death. You see, that was righteous judgment. Indignation. And God said, or Nathan said to him, David, you know what? That's actually you with what you did with Uriah and Bathsheba. You've killed a man. And now you've taken his wife. And David said, oh no, I've spoken my own judgment. But God has had mercy on you, David, and you won't die. Even though you spoke it, you won't die. But you'll pay for what you did. Righteous judgment. See, we tend to look at others differently than ourselves. Yeah, I can pause here and let that one sink in. We tend to condemn others in a different way than we would condemn ourselves. We look down on someone else's worldliness and feel that our temper is justified. We look at someone else's sin and feel that, you know, well, that lie wasn't so bad that I told. It was necessary. Just a little white lie, as if there are any such things. Just something small. Well, you know, I just, I just dabble in this over here. It's not really. No, Jesus said, don't judge by the outside. Judge righteous judgment. Look at yourself the way God looks at you. Look at yourself the way the Word looks at you and believe the Word. That's righteous judgment. See, when we're young, when we're young, we tend to be quite judgmental, or we could say legalistic. In our youth and our zeal, those of us that are older, Remember those days before we made a lot of mistakes. When we just come into the message and we're on fire for God and we've been cleansed from all our sin and we're standing justified in the presence of God as though we never sinned in the first place and we make the mistake of thinking we'll never sin again. And all the older people, I see your expressions. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Praise the Lord, I got the Holy Ghost now. I'll never make another mistake. Hallelujah, I've been redeemed. I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And then we see somebody make a mistake. And we go, they don't got the Holy Ghost. They don't got the Holy Ghost. That one doesn't have the... Careful now. Judge with righteous judgment the righteousness which is of faith now 
I just believe that you can get with somebody and know whether they got the Holy Ghost or not. I, I believe that's true. But nevertheless, in the midst of it all, don't judge according to the outward man. In other words, don't judge according to what you see. If you see somebody doing wrong, pray for them. Help them. Reach out to them. If you see Brother Tim doing wrong, go to Brother Tim. doesn't matter that he, well, he's a preacher. He should know better. Go to Brother Tim. Say, Brother Tim, this and this I see, is, is, is that according to the word of God? It might not make my old flesh feel that comfortable sometimes. Is that all right, you older brothers? No, only okay with a couple of them. Okay. All right. But yet in the midst of it all, as the Bible says, rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father. If I saw my father doing something wrong, I would sure go to him and say to him, Dad, you know, I don't think that's exactly right. What do you think about that? You know, that's something that we ought to do. But we're called to be in an attitude of righteous judgment. Sometimes we live in a society, well, we do live in a society that loves to point fingers at others. I'm amazed at at our society today that loves to tell lies and loves to point out everybody else's lies and loves to live a certain way and thinks people, I think they call it a cancel culture in this generation. I don't care about being canceled because I'm not on anything. But, you know, they can cancel me all they want, but, you know, they like to cancel people. You're not allowed on this social media. You're not allowed on that social media because you said something wrong 10 years ago and, you know, all of these other things. That's the spirit on the age looking at everybody's imperfections and saying, you know what? That's terrible. That's judgment. But you're not called to do that. You are not called to do that. You are called to take on the character of Jesus Christ. Here we are where I want to get to now. You are called to take on the character of Jesus Christ as he stood there and the Pharisees and the, and gathered around him and brought a woman into their, his midst who was caught in the very act of adultery. Lord, it's time this woman get canceled. Come on, we're going to cancel her with some stones. We're going to cancel her life. We're going to take her out. She's caught in the very act of adultery. That's what the law says. What say you? And there stood the righteous judge right before them. There stood the only judge with a perfect character. There stood a judge where Solomon was a type of. A greater than Solomon was standing right in their midst. But they didn't have enough righteous judgment to account to who stood before them. Listen, saints, we need to understand we're living under grace. Because if we're not, it's over. Let him that's filthy be filthy still. Let him that righteous be righteous still. No, there's still grace. There's still souls coming in. There's still people being saved. There's still baptisms taking place by the hundreds and the thousands. There's still people coming into the light of the hour. And God is dealing with their hearts. And God is molding their character. That's what God is doing in this hour. And there stood the Pharisees and say, this woman should die. What say you? To sum it all up, Jesus said, no. She is not worthy of death. I did not come to kill her. I came to set her free. 
This message did not come to kill somebody. This message came. This message is Christ. This message came to set them free. Hallelujah. I'm not talking about living like the world. We just live any old way. I'm talking about judging the situation rightly. I knew I would skip over this next section, that I wouldn't have enough time as we come to the end here. Abraham made the right call. He looked up to the heavens. He believed God. He stood there, and it was a true judgment that what God promised, he was able to perform. He heard from God. I look into this message and I judge God faithful. How do you judge him? I read this message and I say, God is faithful. He will bring to pass every promise in his word. I believe every part of it. I'm not talking about every syllable. I believe every truth. I believe every reality. I believe everything that God has revealed in the message of the hour. I don't care about William Branham's weaknesses. You want to major on his weaknesses? That's your problem. I don't care about his weaknesses. He was a man. I'm a man. These are men. You're men and women. That's the, way, that's the reality of it all. We're all weak in our own way. But my judgment says this message is the truth for this hour. And I stand on that. And God will look at your heart. That's why the elect of the hour are quickened by the message of the hour. Because God lays it before them. And say, what do you say? God opens your heart to it and says, what's your response to my word? What will you say? Look what William Branham said here. But what do you say? God's looking to you. Do you have righteousness? Do you have the ability to say, Lord, it's nothing but the truth. Lord, it's the reality. Abraham looked up to the stars of heaven. The billions out there in the galaxies. And God said, so shall your seed be. And this man without a child. Hear me this morning. Without a child. Every lying vanity said it was impossible. And he looked up to those stars, and because God said, so shall your seed be, Abraham said, that's the truth. Hallelujah. God's word is the truth. This message is the truth. Everything in here says it's the truth. There's a lot up here that may say, I don't understand. But everything in here says, this was God. And you know what? I don't care about the detractors because God is in his investigation judgment. There's another subject for you. Is going throughout the earth today, presenting people with the message. And he's put enough stumbling blocks within the message that will stumble every rich young ruler and say, no, no, I just can't, just can't, just, just isn't for me. But God knows everyone predestinated to rule and reign with him will look at this message, will look at this message, will pick it up and say, that's nothing but the truth. 
Hallelujah. Though a thousand fall at my left hand and 10,000 at my right hand, I don't care. I'm going on with him. I'll live with this message. I'll die with this message. I'll be buried with this message. It doesn't matter to me. I'll stake my eternity upon the message of this hour. That's my judgment. And if that isn't the judgment that God wants in the throne, I won't be there. But that's my judgment of the matter. What's your judgment? There was a feast as the musicians come. There was a feast in one Simon the Pharisee's house. And there was lots of people gathered. Jesus came in. Nobody washed his feet. Nobody anointed him. Come in, he sat down. That's the one that John saw in Revelation 1 with the white wig on. That's the same person standing in the midst of the church in Revelation 1. And there he is sitting in a feast with a bunch of so-called believers. And he sat there and they all looked at him, the unwelcomed Christ. Their judgment was totally wrong. Their estimation of what was happening was totally in error. And a woman comes in there and she begins to wash Jesus' feet. Is that right? Brother Branham describes the scene and he says, this woman, he says, Jesus didn't move a muscle. He said, because he didn't want to scare her away from doing what she was doing. She was washing his feet. He didn't say anything. He didn't do anything. He let her do her service unto him. Why was she nervous? Because in everybody else's eyes, she was a sinner. That was their judgment of this woman. She's a sinner. If he knew who was washing his feet, he would have nothing to do with her because she's a sinner. That was their judgment. But he, the righteous judge, looked upon this woman and didn't see a sinner. He saw righteousness. Oh, but she did this and she did that and she did this. She lived like this and she lived like that. She'd done this wrong and she'd done that wrong. Listen, the fact that it was even in their mind, I'm sure they had talked about it. Oh, sister so-and-so over there, or am I not, am I not even called her sister? You know, you know so-and-so down, lives down a certain way. I, I heard she's doing this and I heard she's doing that. Oh, she's, she's just terrible. But when she came into the presence of Jesus in all her nervousness, in all her upsetness, but something within her saying, I must do this service to him. And she took the ointment and she anointed him. And Jesus said to Simon, she says, he says, Simon, I, I got a question for you. Simon says, speak on. He says, you know, there's a, a man that had a great debt that, and he was forgiven. And there was another man that had a, a lesser debt, just a small debt, and he was forgiven of the same master. Now, which one do you suppose loved the master more? 
He says, well, I suppose the one with the great debt. And Jesus says, you've judged rightly. Knowing, the Bible says, knowing what was in his mind. He says, you judge rightly in that situation. But in other words, if I give you a parable, you'll judge rightly. But you see the circumstances around you, you're totally misunderstanding what's going on here. Don't misunderstand what's going on around the message. Don't misunderstand what's going on in Uganda. Don't misunderstand what's going on in Cloverdale. Don't misunderstand what's happening everywhere. God is redeeming his seed. It doesn't matter where they come from. And to you parents who have children that might seem like they're a long ways away, There's a prodigal son in the Bible. If there's one in that day, don't you think there'll be one this day? Can you say amen to that? Don't look at where he's at. Don't look at where she's at. The Bible never even records when the son left, the father argued with him. The Bible says, when the son says, give me my inheritance, I'm out of here. I'm not going to this church no more. The Father says, here's your inheritance. But he looked to the stars of the heavens. He looked to the promise of the word of God. He said, the same God that gave me that son is the same God that's able to bring him back. He had the faith of Abraham that recognized when he took Isaac up on the mountain, the same God that gave him to me is the same God that's able to raise him. Though I slay him, he's able to raise him from the dead. That's the God that I serve. That's the God of this message. That's the God of reality. And that woman washed Jesus' feet. And he said, I say to you, your sins, which were many, are forgiven. He could have said, this woman stands righteous before you. Hello? Righteousness, which is of faith. Her sins, which, are many, which were many, are forgiven. Hallelujah! She stood justified before that entire room. All it takes, sinner friend, if you're here this morning, all it takes is for you to come believing to the feet of Jesus Christ. All it takes is for you to just say, Lord, I believe your word. Not just say it, but just believe it. You know, if you're struggling with the word, if you come to church and you're struggling with the word, get into the word. I'm sorry, but Facebook won't give you the Holy Ghost. Instagram won't give you the Holy Ghost. I don't even know all the current names of all these things. Just because I don't mention yours, don't think that you're okay. None of those things will give you the Holy Ghost. I'll tell you what will give you the Holy Ghost. When you get into the Word, until you die out to yourself and say, I believe every word of God, God will send down the seal of your faith, which is your righteousness, and give you the power of the Holy Ghost in your life. Let's stand together. I just want to speak the name of Jesus.
But I want to change it this morning. If you put the words up on the screen for us. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. I want to change it. Just a little bit for me. I just want to speak the word of Jesus. Everywhere you see name in this song, just this time. I want you to say word. It adds just a greater depth of meaning. Would you do that for me? I just want to speak the word of Jesus Over every heart and every mind Cause I know there's peace within your presence I speak Jesus
Let's all bow our heads. I can't give you faith. Faith comes by hearing the word. It's a revelation that comes from God himself to you personally. But the fact that you're in this service this morning is an opportunity to make a decision. How do you judge the word of God? How do you judge the message of the hour? Don't make a mistake. Don't make a foolish decision that will cost you many things in your life. I stand before you tonight to say, I've never regretted the decision I've made, but don't take my word for it. Take the word of God for it. So I'm saying this, this day, here we are now in the afternoon. We've preached the word of God. You've heard the word of God. But I wonder if there's somebody here that would like to acknowledge before God, Lord, I have been dilatory. I have been negligent in setting my heart to seek God. My heart has been distracted by the world, by other things, by other ways. But Lord, today I'm standing before you saying, Lord, I want you to reset my heart today. Oh God, I want to seek you with all my heart. I want to stay in your word until you do something for me. And I'm asking, oh God, that you'll help me. He sees each and every one of those hands. Don't be dilatory today. Don't go from this place and be consumed by an age that wants to consume you. When you go from here today, let the number one resolve in your heart be, I will seek God. I appreciate the services. I appreciate the prayer meetings. I appreciate the fellowship. I appreciate the believers. But I must seek God for myself. Heavenly Father, as we stand here today, under your mighty presence that has been in this service, O God, bow my head to the ground you know all the things that are going through my mind but Lord I want to say from my heart oh God I thank you for every dealing in my life I thank you Lord for every opportunity that it brings me closer to you oh God I thank you Father that you are the one that knows all things you know what I have need of you know what everyone has need of. You know your word needed to be heard this morning and you saw, Lord, the hands that were raised and more importantly, you saw the hearts that were underneath them. Let us not be lazy or dilatory or casual as has been said, Lord, in these last days. Lord, that we just think, oh, well, it's just going to come by our way. Lord, let us take the opportunity and seek our God with all of our hearts with everything that is within us until we know that we know who we are in the presence of God. Though everybody else fail, yet, Lord, you will not fail us. You'll stand with us. You'll never leave us or forsake us. You will give us that which our heart's desire is, O oh Lord. Let righteousness prevail here, Father. Quicken faith, Father, in the midst of the congregation. 
Look down, O oh God, upon our hearts. See righteousness, Lord. Send forth your spirit. Let your spirit break forth upon the people. Lord, let hearts be cleansed before you, O oh God, this morning. Let lives be washed in the water of the word. Let the, the afflictions of the enemy fall by the wayside, O oh God. Your word is the truth. What you have said, we count you faithful, Lord, that what you have promised, you are able to perform. We love you, Lord. We thank you for it. As we commit this service to you, we commit these saints to you, each one in the altar of their hearts. May they, Lord, come into a sincere, a personal connection with you, O oh God that nothing, nothing can sway them, Lord. We ask it, Father, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, by the power. dismiss you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just be sensitive to him. You want to pray? Just stay and pray. Just commit yourself to God. Just surrender your heart completely to him. You want to pray at the altar? The altar's open. Whatever you want to do, this is the house of God. And you just do as you feel led to do. God bless you. The service is dismissed in Jesus' name.